Welcome everyone to episode three of the Life and Lit podcast. It is Valentine's week. This is coming out the day after Valentine's Day, but definitely still feeling the love from all of you, all of our listeners. And we wanted to celebrate this week with a love story and a love theme for our book. So I'm Sydney. And I'm Paige. And this is the Life and Lit podcast, episode three. And this week we are going to be talking about In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. So Paige, go ahead and tell us a little bit about what this is about. Perfect. So In Five Years is about Danny Cohen lives her life by the numbers. She is nothing like her lifelong best friend. The wild whimsical believes in fate, Bella. Danny's meticulous planning seems to have paid off after she nails the most important job interview of her career and accepts her boyfriend's marriage proposal in one fell swoop, falling asleep completely content. But when she awakens, she's suddenly in a different apartment with a different ring on her finger and beside a very different man. Danny spends exactly one hour, five years in the future, before she wakes again in her own home on the brink of midnight. And it is one hour she cannot shake. In five years is an unforgettable love story, but it is not the one you're expecting. Awesome. I think that last sentence really sums it up. Yes. At least for me. Absolutely. Um, it is not it is not what I was expecting. And I didn't pay enough attention to <laughs> the synopsis to really drive that home because I was expecting you just your typical lighthearted little rom-com maybe set in New York City beach read and for me it was much more emotional and deeper than I expected it to be oh absolutely so if this was kind of the perfect book because this was another one that I got when we were in New York City at the Strand and so that was what middle December everything's all decked out for Christmas Um, This is one of the books I got, and it takes place in New York City, primarily in December. So that was a really fun tie-in as I was reading it, because I started reading it while we were on the trip, right? Yeah, immediately. When we had downtime, I was like, oh, well, let's start this, and absolutely flew through it. I finished it on the plane on the way back home a day and a half later, crying because (laughs) I broke my rule about never finish a book in public. Because yes. I've been burned badly before, and I did it. I knew better, and I still did it. And there I was, crying in public on a plane. <laughs> but at least I was in business class because I got a free upgrade <laughs> that trip, so oh, I didn't perfect. have a seatmate. And I had all this leg room, so I had my own little private spot on you the plane kind of... to weep. <laughs> you could cry in your own little corner. <laughs> yes, exactly. I wasn't sandwiched between two people, like, trying not to sob yeah it worked out well you sent me this book almost immediately after you finished it and I had been waiting since it was published to read it but it came out in 2020 that is the year I graduated grad school so I was still a broke college student who could not afford brand new shiny hardback books (laughs) and it was always checked out of the library it was always on hold a huge wait list. So I just, you know, it was always on my to be read list, but I just never acquired it for myself. And then 
like you said, we were at the Strand and you saw it and you wanted to get it. And I was like, this was fate. <laughs> this was meant to be, you know. Yes. And I immediately said, you have to send that to me when you're done. I've been waiting so long to read it. And I read it as soon as I got it from you. And I was home for Christmas. Um, I flew back home to Illinois for Christmas. I was staying with my parents. And I'm so used to living alone now that when I was reading it in the living room, I got, you know, towards the end and you could feel the emotions, could feel the tears welling up in my eyes. And then my mom starts to talk to me and I haven't had to deal with that. I'm alone. You know, I'm alone <laughs> in my apartment reading so I can just let the emotions flow. And she's starting to talk to me about, you know, dinner or something. And I had to hold up my hand to her and say, <laughs> I need 20 minutes of silence. So that I can finish this book and just let myself feel everything. And then I immediately started to cry because she chose the saddest moment in the book. Of to interrupt. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, please, just 20 minutes. I have to finish this. And, you know, maybe an extra 10 minutes to, you know, compose myself. But yeah, emotionally recover. Exactly. So I will jump in a little bit earlier here and say, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to hear the entire plot of the story as we discuss it, please press pause now, go read it and come back. But fair warning, it is very emotional. And Mm -hmm. if you cry in books, movies, TV shows like I do, you will probably cry at this book because Rebecca Searle just, she weaves this beautiful story of love and friendship and just, you know, finding yourself and kind of how life's plans can go a different way than you expect, but not in a bad way. Yeah. I really loved it because like you said, I picked it up expecting a love story, which those obviously are emotional a lot too, but I expected something more lighthearted and for the, the couple love story to be the main focus. And as we went through the book, it really, that wasn't the main focus. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of the love of friends and how like friends can be your soulmates and friends can be your family, whether they're related by blood or whether that's the person that you marry and choose to physically live with for your whole life. Your best friend can still be your person. Exactly. Which I I just love female friendship stories like that. Absolutely. I really love that. And it really resonated with me. Thinking about, I think that's what got me the most emotional was I was picturing myself in the shoes, like if that was my best friend yes. and how, how would I handle that? And how would I go on with some of the things that happen? And you, it just really put everything in perspective in my life, yes. which I liked, which it helps that we were, we're kind of the same age as these characters were young adults yes. working through career changes and relationship changes and all of the things that come with like the 22 to 35 age range. And so it was really neat. I really like this book. I feel like it, it hit home in a lot of different ways. And yeah, I was super emotional. Yes. I definitely felt myself relating to the characters in more ways than one. And I could really see myself in those shoes. And like you said, just picture how I would react as our main character, Danny goes through everything um, in this book. It's it's a relatively short book. It packs in, you know, 250 pages. So it's a really quick read. I read it in a matter of hours. Um, just, you know, sat down on the couch at home and didn't get up until <laughs> until it was done and I was crying. So 
it starts off with Danny. She is a, you know, very practical person, very pragmatic, plans her life down to the details. You know, she kind of always had in mind her perfect guy. She claims to know where she wanted to work since she was very young. She's a very successful corporate lawyer. And it starts off with her getting the interview at the law firm of her dreams. And so that's how we first meet her. She's getting ready for this big interview. She's very intelligent and strong-willed and confident, which I loved. You know, Mm -hmm. she was nervous about the interview, but she also walked in pretty much knowing that she was going to nail it. And I love seeing that strength just right off the bat. I love seeing that confidence in the character. And Rebecca Searle did a really great job of, you know, conveying that from the beginning. But at the same time, she's anticipating a proposal from her boyfriend. And, you know, she kind of has a timeline. She met her boyfriend. She's like, we date for two years. Two years is when you move in together. That's what they did. And then they've been dating this long. Now it's time for the proposal. So she definitely lives her life on a very strict timeline. And I think this book really tackles the theme of the plan. And I'm using air quotes as if you can actually see me. But I think that's (laughs) something that is really projected on people is that you're supposed to have this timeline and you're supposed to have this order that yes. things happen in and she's very much stuck on that and has bought into that just like many people do yes. and then this book really challenges okay what happens when things don't go according to the plan or what happens when the way your life is turning out is not the plan that you had in mind and I think that's that something that at some point everyone deals with and yes. everyone thinks about I mean most people And I feel like especially you and I, we were pretty driven people all throughout college and high school and kind of knowing. And then you get to this adulthood and it sometimes feels like you're like, okay, well, now what? Or or this didn't happen the way I wanted in the order I wanted. And it can just kind of throw a whole wrench into your plan. Um, Absolutely. I can really, really um, understand that feeling and relate to that because, you know, I had that moment in college when the major I chose I decided to switch majors Mm -hmm. towards the end of my time at you know my undergrad school so that threw me through a loop and I recovered decided you know this is the other track I want to go on and I pursued that and that took me many years of school again to complete I graduated I moved out to DC like I planned and like I had hoped would all work out and then I got here started working on the job a couple months into it I was like okay now what you know like I, I achieved all the goals that I had set for myself and like you said it's like this moment of now what do I do now what do I work towards and so you really have to find yourself and it's a scary phase of life I think when you have that moment of what comes next and it's all up to you to decide and to achieve those goals new goals. It's, you know, it's a very scary time. Definitely. And I love how these opening scenes when she's going for the job interview ties into one, the title of the book, and then the whole premise of her flashing forward five years is yes. that they ask, you know, one of the interview questions is where do you see yourself in five years? Yes. And she has the answer down pat. She's, she knows what they want to hear and she truly believes it. And I think that's so funny as someone who has 
interviewed and been asked that question and also been an interviewer and asked someone that question is it's just so funny that that's so ingrained in our society to have these plans yes um, which you don't have to hold obviously you don't hold someone exactly to that but and it's interesting to see what people say and what they are thinking about their future um I just thought it was so funny that she she had basically had every answer down pat like she had it memorized yeah and that I think that really sets up the foreshadowing of okay this is going to go off the rails and not match up with her plan yes that is my least favorite interview question I hate that question (laughs) so much because I'm like I don't know I just need this job I want this job and then I will figure it out (laughs) yeah well it's like a catch-22 because if you don't you know if you say anything other than well I'd love to still be at this company they're gonna think (laughs) that you're just trying to use a stepping stone and you're halfway out the door but then if you're you know oh this is my dream job I've always wanted then they're like oh okay (laughs) yeah I will say one of the boldest and bold or stupid I don't know what (laughs) boldest or stupidest um answers to that question was you know I work in the cancer field of radiation oncology and there are certain treatment options that they offer at each clinic and I said I see myself working in a certain department that the place the hospital I was interviewing at did not have (laughs) Uh, that other larger (laughs) hospitals have and they said oh there's like you're dreaming big you know we don't have that and I just you know we kind of went along I got offered the job (laughs) not that I should (laughs) you know recommend that but it's also you know it might pay off to be bold yeah. Um, so. And I think people just want honesty, honestly. Like I've had to interview yes. a couple people for positions that I've hired for. And yeah, I ask that more just to see their reaction because it is like, do you say what I want to hear or do you say what's actually authentic? And yes. I know I would prefer to hear what's authentic because obviously I know you're interested in this job or you wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think it's an interesting it's funny that that is the like one universal question in an interview and that ties in so well here. Um, Yes. So she gets offered the job. Um, She's, you know, her boyfriend proposes to her. She accepts. It's great. It goes just like they planned this, you know, beautiful picture is painted. And then she has that flash forward dream sequence where she wakes up and, you know, she's in a different outfit. She has a different engagement ring on her finger. She is in a different apartment and there's a very different guy with her. And it's very real to her. And she, she recovers quite quickly. I will say (laughs) she knows how to keep it together because if that happened to me, I would be freaking out. I would not know what to do. And she, quickly just you know kind of assesses the situation and figures out that it is exactly five years in the future to the day she figures out who the guy is you know where they live and is just very practical about it and then she's there for exactly an hour and then she wakes back up in her own apartment with her you know current fiance that happens very early in the book. And so then when she wakes back up to me, that's what made it such a quick read is that I was flying through the pages wanting to know what's going to happen in five years. And it's not a simple fix. Like she has to live those five years to get to that moment. And so I think that's what made this a really enjoyable and 
fast paced read was the setup of that, which there's a lot that yes. happens in those five years that we'll talk about. Yes. And she, she knows exactly what day it is that that happens. So she's in, you know, anticipating it for five years, which would just be horrible, oh, man. I, <laughs> that would that be would brutal. Be terrible. I can't imagine. And, you know, so she gets the job, she moves on from the dream, but she does go to her therapist and she brings it up. And, um, you know, then the therapist is like, okay, you know, well, let's assess your, your situation now. Like, why would you have a dream like this? Which it felt very real to Danny, but of course everyone else thinks it's just going to be a dream. And so then she tries to point Danny to some underlying factors that might lead her to dream something like this like her relationship is she happy in her relationship everything has gone to plan did she really want it to you know just really kind of raises some questions that Danny brushes off yeah and I loved that point one that they put that in there because it just normalizes therapy and two because that's such a real reaction because if that happened to me I'm a worrier and I would spend the next <laughs> every moment of the next five years what, worrying about what is going to happen and what's what's going to change in my life to lead to this. So I really loved that she she did take it seriously and like tackled it head on, and her therapist even took her seriously. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was an inter- interesting little subplot. Yes, I did love that moment. So of course she brushes it off, you know, practical Danny, and then she goes. Th- meet her best friend Bella for brunch and Bella is the complete opposite of Danny she's you know this spoiled little rich girl whose parents weren't around she's the you know bright spot in Danny's life she's you know always go doing these crazy things she's dating somebody you know every other day it's somebody new she has all these just whirlwind love affairs that are you know they burn hot and then they go out and you know, she's living in Paris and then she's in Italy. So she's just opposite of Danny, not practical at all, but they are best friends. And like you mentioned earlier, soulmates, uh, despite their differences. And so we get to really know Bella's character who I loved. I just Mm -hmm. loved how they balanced each other out. You know, Bella pushed Danny out of her comfort zone and then Danny kind of brought Bella back to reality. Yeah. And I love that it was a, I think it was a very real portrayal of friendship because they did have some pretty bad arguments and some very big differences. And so I guess we can get into the whole kind of overarching plot or what gets things going is that Danny meets Bella for dinner or lunch and because Bella wants to introduce her to her new boyfriend and Danny kind of blows it off because like you said, she's got a new boyfriend, a new love of the life every few months. And Bella says, no, no, I think this is the one. This is the one. So when Danny goes to dinner with them and her fiance to meet the boyfriend, it is the guy from five years in the future that she wakes up in the apartment with, that she's engaged to, that she has this really passionate encounter with. And so then it plays into the whole, you know, is she going to end up with this guy? Is she going to betray Bella? What's going to happen And so there's a lot of tension around that. And that was a great plot twist for me. I did not see that coming. And, you know, Bella's like, he's the one. This guy is different. And Danny finally reacts 
realistically to me and practically and she freaks out Mm -hmm. she can't stop looking at him because she's thinking in her mind you know what is going to happen in five years that I'm with him and he's not with Bella Mm -hmm. and I immediately thought that as well and so she you know kind of brushes him off she kind of ignores him Bella thinks that Danny doesn't like him and so there's that you know little argument there and so now they're going through life with you know Danny and David the engaged couple and Bella and Aaron who you know they're quickly falling in love things are moving very quickly for them and Danny is just basically waiting for something bad to happen where she hurts Bella Mm -hmm. and also David her fiance so you know they kind of go through life and then they go on a beach trip together you know out in the Hamptons typical New York City (laughs) weekend getaway um they have their other friends with them there's a cute little beach scene like that's the great thing about Rebecca Searle's writing is she keeps you thinking that you know there's gonna be some sort of dalliance on (laughs) on uh Danny and Aaron's side because you know they decide to go on a walk on a beach together and they kind of you know play in the water and so it's like very a very cute scene mm-hmm. but then Danny's like this can't happen you know what what does this mean and I was thinking the same thing you know is this when she starts you know fe- having feelings for him and I was just waiting you know reading reading turn- turning the pages like what's going to happen how does this where's the next plot twist that puts those two together yeah and there was always an undercurrent of chemistry between Danny and Aaron yes and so you were you were you were waiting for that moment when something happens that's going to propel the two of them together and so this the other big twist for me was that the something that happens is that Bella is diagnosed with cancer She's very young and it's very aggressive. Um, She actually thinks that she's pregnant and then they think she thought she has a miscarriage. And while they're going through that whole process, it turns out that um, if I'm remembering right, it was like a chemical pregnancy because of the cancer and the cancer was giving all of these false signs. And so they find it. And so Bella's really in for a big fight. Danny's in for a big fight. And of course, it just rocks both of their worlds. But honestly, I think Danny took it a lot harder than Bella did. Yeah. Because that's that's her best friend. That's her person. And Danny's so driven and analytical that she's now she's thrown into, okay, it's cancer fighting time. And we have to go to the best doctors. And we have to look at all the options. And we have to do this, this, and this. And Bella seems... I don't want to say at peace with it because she's upset, but she's more like it will be what it will be and we're going to fight and do things, but she's not quite as forceful about it as Danny is. And that's another part where they get into a really big spat because Danny comes in and basically tries to take control of the treatments and telling Bella what to do and where she should be going. And it's all coming from a place of love, but Bella is just not that, that person Yes. To react like that. And so there's some good conflict there, which I think is realistic in an extremely stressful situation like that. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even, you know, you want to be by your friend's side when they're going through this, but, you know, there is the whole, you can cross the line and be overbearing, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the line that Danny does cross. But she is very protective of Bella because Bella's parents, 
never really cared that much about her and they weren't around for her childhood. You know, she basically grew up in Danny's house. Mm -hmm. And so when she's diagnosed with this cancer, she's like, all right, it's just me and Bella. It's always been me and Bella. I have to be there for her. I have to make the decisions for her and I have to take care of her. But now Bella has Aaron and Aaron, you know, Danny gives him an out. She's like, you know, if you don't want to be around for this, you're trying to be, you know, the tough guy. And Aaron, of course, is, you know, he's like, no, I'm, I'm sticking around for this. And, you know, I love her. I'm going to be here for her. And so Danny also has to give up a little bit of her control to Aaron, which is, you know, not something that she particularly wants to do. Mm-hmm. And I think she kind of feels outcast by that. And so again, definitely feelings on both sides there. But yeah, it does. It is a very realistic situation. Yeah, it mimics the natural flow of, you know, it is kind of hard when your best friend gets married and then, you know, they're living somewhere else and they're living with a, a spouse and you don't get to see them as much. You don't get to connect with them one on one as much because now it's become a threesome or whatever. Yes. And so it's. Definitely super realistic. Again, I feel like I say that a lot, but that's why I really resonated with this book. Um, And that's why it got so heartrending because it really did make you think, how would I react if this was my best friend and and how would I feel? And that's where the tear, the tears started because it's really brutal what Bella goes through. It's very aggressive and very fast and it's not a very hopeful scenario. Yes. And I thought Rebecca Mm -hmm. Searle did a fantastic job of portraying that entire journey. Uh, You know, I, as I mentioned before, I work in oncology. And so when Bella was diagnosed with cancer, it was a journey and a situation that I've seen many, many people go through. And so I thought she did a fantastic job of portraying it because Bella was positive. A lot of patients tend to be very positive until they get, you know, kind of the earth shattering news that all of the treatments that they've been through and all this stuff that they've tried and the clinical trials that they've, you know, entered in aren't working for them. And so, you know, David, Danny's fiance kind of gets put on the back burner throughout this whole uh, journey, this Mm -hmm. whole time period, you know, they, they never set a date for the wedding and they finally did but then you know Bella was diagnosed so again they put it off and you know so she's facing the potential for her best friend but then also pressure from her fiance to commit to a date and so she's just facing a lot that she never that you know it wasn't in her life plan to go through this everything was supposed to go to plan and it's not and I think it gets it's really interesting how they portray the dynamics between David and Danny because David was a likable character like he's he a was. good guy he's, he's a very good guy very much the on paper perfect match for her like you can see why they connected and why they met up and they show tidbits of their relationship day to day and living together and it i think it's funny because it, they show those comfy moments of just, you know, like truly living with your partner and eating the same Chinese food three days in a row and your sweatpants and arguing about who's going to clean up and different things like that. But there was never a point for me where I disliked that character. And most of the time in love stories, 
it's very clear of which character you're supposed to like or which one they're the main character is supposed to be with. And it was hard to see on this one. Cause I'm like, I like, I liked both of these guys. I saw positive things in both of these guys. And so it was really interesting to me how it's still just in a natural turn of events. It just didn't work out for Danny and David. Yeah. That's a very good point. You know, David is a very good person and he was very good for her and they were very, you know, appropriate match. And I think they would have been happy together. You know, I think mm-hmm. it was a very comfortable match. And I think deep down, Danny was looking for a little bit more, but she wouldn't admit it to herself because she's the very practical person. And that is one thing that Bella keeps alluding to throughout the book is, you know, Danny's like, of course I love David. I'm happy with him. And Bella's like, yes, of course you are. I can see that. And you guys are a great match, but you know, don't you want more? Don't you want the chance to be hurt in love and, you know, have this wild romance like I have? Like, don't you want that? And I think Bella kind of drove it home to Danny, but she wouldn't admit it that, yeah, she kind of did want that wild, all-encompassing love rather than this comfortable match that she had made for herself, but she wouldn't let herself admit it. And she did it in really subtle ways, which I also love, because Bella never came out and said... I don't think David is the one for you or I don't think you're going to marry him. She was always supportive of Danny's choices and saying like, yes, he's a great guy. And yeah, I know you're happy and I know this is everything you wanted, but it was always just a little bit of, are you really sure? And more like giving Danny the okay to make a different choice and say, I know he fits your plan, but you can change your plan at any time. And I think Bella really gave Danny that control and kind of made it okay for her to change her plan and be true to herself and just give herself the freedom to do, to do things differently than she always imagined. And, you know, things can change and you can evolve and it doesn't have to be the set path that you set when you were 17. So I really like that. I love that about them you know the truly honest friends where they have the hard talks and they point out the stuff you might not want to hear in that moment but they say it anyway because they know you need to hear it and I do I do know whenever Bella you know received the bad news that her treatments weren't working and you know she was basically terminal at this point um, they came back together after their pretty big fight And that's when Bella is a little more insistent about it. You know, you love David, but you're not in love with him. And you deserve this, you know, all-encompassing love that just turns your world upside down. You deserve it. You deserve it. She keeps throwing that at Danny. And Danny's like, you know, I don't think I'm capable of the same type of love that you are. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this part so clearly because Bella said, I know you are. And do you know how I know that? And Danny said, no. And Bella said, because that's the way that you love me. Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> I know. It, it, that's when I started to cry. That's absolutely <laughs> when I lost That it. was so touching to me. And just something that a lot of authors can't quite capture, the female friendship. Mm-hmm. But this author just, wow, she really knocked it out of the park. And she really understands those female friendships. And I love because that's just a very real thing for me. Yes. 
and how they're those characters are so expressive of saying you know you are my person and I love you in a friendship way and in the way of you know saying because that's how you love me and I think I'm lucky that my friends and I are all comfortable like that. Like I, Erica yes. and I sign off every time. Okay. Love you. Bye. Yeah. But there's so, I think a generation Emmy, before shout out here. Yeah. Like <laughs> That's you exactly how we are. You didn't talk like that to anyone other than your romantic partner. And so I love that this really explores their friendship as the main part and how Bella really makes helping Danny find that true love kind of her dying wish because while she's been sick Bella's been working on this secret project that she's given Danny little hints about but she won't really come out and say it and it turns out to be this apartment that Danny thinks Bella is fixing up for her and Aaron to live in and she's like why would you want to live in this this part of the city you've never wanted to live here you have a great apartment where you're at Danny just can't understand it and then at the end of the book, the f- one of the other final twists, again, is that when Danny walks into the apartment, it's the exact apartment from the five-year flash forward. And Bella says, I've been doing this for you because I think this is a great place for you to live. Yes. And so oh, it ties it back in again. Part. <laughs> yeah. And it's that Bella knew what Danny wanted before Danny even did. Yes. She and- was setting her up for success. To change her mind and pick mm-hmm. a path that she didn't think was an option five years earlier. And, and knowing that, that is, oh, wow. Yeah, knowing that she may not be there to see it, but she's going to do that for her friend so that kind of, I took it as like, she'll always have that little part yes. of Bella with her. Yes, absolutely. And that's something really special to set your friend up with and to do for your friend and kind of a way for Bella to be with her even after she passes away. Yes. That was a truly special moment in the book. I mean, this, this book really just is a tearjerker and it really, you don't think it's going to be this deep and like emotional as, as you start reading it, but wow, she really knows (laughs) how to pack that emotional punch because the end it was it was just so special and so Danny breaks things off with David and he's you know rightfully upset because he doesn't understand why you know they are really good for each other she breaks it off with him Bella you know passes away from cancer and then she and Aaron find themselves in the apartment that Bella set up for Mm -hmm. Danny and then it is now the scene Exactly, you know, five years to the day mm-hmm. that Danny flashed forward to. And, you know, she always in the dream, she described it as this magnetic pull towards him. And this is love. This is, you know, a deeper emotion than she'd ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. And then she comes to realize as it starts to play out, as it did in her dream, that it wasn't love. It was grief that was pulling mm-hmm. them together, which was, again, very powerful. Yes. And it's, it was, that was still a moving moment, especially when you read it the second time and you see it in the frame of these are two hurting people Yes, who have shared this person that they both love so much. And it's the way that they're processing how to handle not having her Bella in their life anymore. And so it was a really interesting take on that 
and I kind of love how it wraps up and she's Danny says something like you know I don't know if we'll stay in touch that much or I don't know if we'll see each other again but then there's that sweet moment at the end where she runs into um, I think it was Bella's doctor who she had obviously gotten close to throughout this time of her treatment yeah and it kind of sets it up to me like they might have a little connection yes so it was still a hopeful ending I really love that about books when it's It feels resolved in a way, but the door is still open for possibility. Yes, Yes, exactly. You know, she and Aaron share that very powerful moment. And, you know, they're like, we'll stay in touch. But again, it's not like they become a couple and then it's all tied up neatly. It is very much Danny learning to find her way in a world that is completely changed for her. And how, you know how she has hope for the future despite everything that's happened to her you know breaking off her engagement losing her best friend moving you know to a completely different part of town but then yeah she finds out that the doctor lives in her neighborhood and and they leave it open so there might be a connection there but Danny is also very satisfied Mm -hmm. to be where she's at in her life right now and she's open to the possibilities I really loved that yeah, I love how it took the really horrible, sad moment of losing your best friend in the the day of the funeral and after that, but at the end it was still hopeful, like we said. So it was a really sweet ending. I love books that have resolved endings and where it just, you know, it ties things up, but it leaves things on a happy note, even with something really sad happening. So yes. it was good. Yes. Highly, highly recommend this book. Very quick read. Definitely worth it. I looked at the um, kind of book club section at the end where they had a conversation with Rebecca Searle. And she mentioned that, you know, she loves a good love story. You know, everyone loves a good love story. But she likes to look at the complicated dynamics between women and more than, you know, the dynamics between a man and a woman. She really likes to explore those, as you can see in the female friendship theme here. That was very much front and center, Mm -hmm. uh, to my surprise. But I I loved that. And she also said that really the thesis of this novel is we can think we know what is coming, but we can never know what it will mean. And I loved that. that. Yes. I love that, too. And I love how it encourages people to be open-minded about themselves and their plans and really just everything around you because you can walk by someone on the street and they look happy and great but you have no idea what they're going through it's the same same kind of thing as that where you can't always take things just at face value because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes or what that will mean to you or what that will look like years down the road so that's a really interesting interesting concept yes and she really encourages you to leave the door open like you said and just be open to new possibilities don't cage yourself in you can have a plan but you know be open to some changes and I love that and it's you know something that I needed to hear at that time because like I mentioned earlier in this episode I set my goals and I achieved all of them And now I'm like, now what? So now I feel like 
after reading this book, it's okay to be in the now what stage. Just be open to what is coming your way. Yeah. And to not be afraid of change or to be afraid of things going differently because, you know, whether it's you're afraid what other people are going to think, okay, well, it's your life. You should focus on that. Or if it's, okay, my life isn't going how I wanted. Don't be afraid to sit down and really think with yourself, what do I want? How can I make this happen? And I do like that, that it's, and I think a lot of that is what held Danny back with some of the fear of deviating from the plan and what other people were think versus Bella is just more of a like, Oh, you know, who cares? It'll be fine. So I like that they balance each other out and tied each other in, in both of those ways. And that the author really hit that home. Yes. So highly recommend this book. It's a great read, inspiring, emotional. Um, You know, I hope you guys love it like we did. Yes. And if you do read it, tell us about it. Send us an email. You can email us at lifeandlitpod at gmail. You can find us on Instagram. We'll be posting the episode when it comes out. So feel free to start a discussion with us. Send us a DM. Send us a comment to let us know what you think because that's kind of the point of this. We're just two girls who love to talk about books and we love to do that with other people too. So yes, I would absolutely love to hear your take on it because I'm sure it can be seen a million different ways. Yes. Well, it's hard to believe that this is episode three. I know it's flying by. I feel like we just recorded episode one. (laughs) I know. And it feels like February's flying by because like we said, this is Valentine's week. So hopefully everyone had a good Valentine's day. If you celebrate, if you don't, that's totally valid too. I hope you just had a peaceful and joyful day. Next week, we are going to be talking some black history features and featuring books written by black authors because February is black history month. So I know I'm really excited to do that and feature African-American authors on the show. My library has made a nice little display uh, for black history month. So I'm really excited to go pick something from there and get to talk about that. And then the next week. Yes, I am very excited. You know, I'm almost done with Obama's book now. So be prepared for political policy, people. <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's, I'm very excited to talk about that book because it definitely humanizes the president as a person. So I'm very excited to talk about that and to see what you come up with, Sydney. And I'm also going to be heading to the library. We have a similar display and hopefully we can post a few suggestions and recommendations throughout the, the, the rest of this month. Uh, to give you guys ideas about some new up-and-coming Black authors and some very important stories that need to be read. Definitely. I hope that you bring the juiciest detail from his memoir to the podcast because that's what I'm here for. That's a challenge. (laughs) Whatever you think is the most crazy or scandalous thing that he talks about in that book I want to know about it so I'm excited Uh to hear your takes on it he has been very neutral and of course yes I know I know (laughs) but he's also not afraid to name names let me just say that (laughs) okay well I'm here for that too so yes very good 
Okay. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you again for all of your support that you've given us over the last three weeks. Like we said, it's hard to believe that it has already come time for our third episode, but we are having a lot of fun with this and we hope that you're having fun listening. So if you like what you hear again, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you listen. We're available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And that really helps get our name and our podcast out there so that other people can see it. And please share with your friends and family, anyone that you know that loves to read and would love to talk about these books with us. We really do appreciate all of the support that you guys give us. So, and be sure to follow us on Instagram. And then, like I said, if you want to give us suggestions for books or feedback on episodes that we've done, you can contact us at lifeandlitpod at gmail.com. So I think that's a wrap for episode three, unless we've got anything else. No, I'm, you know, just reliving the emotions of that book. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Always. Okay. Well, take care, everyone, and happy reading. Happy reading.